electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location and neighborhood. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. And when I say in-depth, I'm talking deep. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood, complete with a video guide. They also have details about local schools with test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. Other people want to make friends. I'm just trying to save you a little money. My job is not just to educate, but to put this into context. So call me at 1-800-743-CNBC. Tweet me at Jim Kramer. Let's face it. There's a considerable number of knuckleheads out there who simply won't be satisfied until Fed Chief Jay Powell says, my research had the stock market to sell. I upgraded to a hold recently, but today, for no reason whatsoever, I am making the stock market a buy, 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 buy. So everyone knows it's all clear. Now, you aren't ever going to hear that. But people keep thinking you're going to hear something like it. The fact is that inflation is a much bigger worry right now than recession, Okay. I thought that was obvious, but apparently not to the people who sold everything after the Fed meeting, where it's obvious that Fed's going to put through another rate hike, Dow closing off 77 points, not that bad, S&P plunging 0.94%, not so good, and the NASDAQ plummeting 1.53%. As I said yesterday, I think the Fed should put through two hikes. That's how hot this economy is running. Why can't people see that? But to humor all those who think Powell is just being too hawkish, when will the Fed give us the equivalent of an all-clear signal? How about when it gets what it wants? How about when it gets inflation to stop for maybe six months? That's when you no longer need to worry about the Fed. And we are very, very far from that happening. It does drive me absolutely batty to listen to people who think the Fed's already won the fight against inflation and will soon remove any tough language. I mean, what is it based on? Labor's still tight. Housing's tight. Uh, mortgage rates are, are high, and it, it, they've doubled. It hasn't affected housing at all. We have 3.8% unemployment with an inflation rate that's much closer than 4%. And the Fed's targeted 2%. What's the disconnect here? Simple. If you look at the statistics I just mentioned in a vacuum, you would think the Fed should still be raising rates pretty aggressively. Maybe it's a half a point from here. They've already tightened so much without seriously damaging the economy. What's another 50 basis points? While some prices have started to come down, meager, but they've started to come down, let me ask you, 
In your daily life, what's actually cheaper now than it was before the Fed started raising rates? What's so much cheaper that Jay Powell can declare victory, maybe even start talking about cutting rates? Hard to think of anything for me, right? Easy to think of many things that are much more expensive. For two years now, we've heard that the Fed's rapid rate hikes would soon cause a recession, which would then crush inflation and ultimately lead to rate cuts. That's not happening. So let me give you the disconnect as I see it. The people in the media, the economists, the strategists, the hedge fund managers, the billionaires, they don't go to the supermarket. Someone else goes to the supermarket for them. They're not the ones suffering from higher prices because they don't even know about the higher prices. They, 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 frankly, the supermarket budget of them is way too small versus the discretionary income that they have. These gas bags have either forgotten what it's like to not have a lot of money or they never lack for it all. They just don't get that it's a big deal when rice is up 50% in a couple of months, or a glass of beer is now 8 bucks minimum, or scallions cost $2.99 a bunch, and a box of Annie's mac and cheese now goes for $5.49. I mean, you can use all the Fed speak you want, and boy, the reporters love to do that. But Powell doesn't care about that stuff. He's talking about the cost of scallions. He's talking about the wild rice plants. He knows the real score, even if the pundits don't. Now, I'm lucky. I got rich a long time ago. I admit that. I have no, I'm proud of it. So these prices would be an abstraction for me, too, except that my dad raised me to be a cheapskate and I still go shopping. I know what price the things cost. I, they're not an abstraction to Jay Powell either. He's thinking about how inflation makes it so working people need every penny of the minimum wage boost they just got at Bank of America. Now, $23 an hour, commitment to raise that to $25 an hour by 2025. He sees the UAW strike in Detroit and he recognizes that inflation is driving us toward actual class warfare in this country that we haven't seen in maybe 60 years. I don't think he wants to be known as the Fed chief who goes down as the one who started the class wars. But this is not coming out of nowhere. The UAW's rank and file are simply trying to get better late. They're not, they're not trying to get better lake houses. They're stretched right now, in large part, thanks to inflation. So it's no wonder they want more money. The strike's terrible for business. It's terrible for the stocks. I think it's a mistake the way they're negotiating. But the union never would have elected a hardliner like Sean Fain if they were happy with the nation's state of affairs, if they thought they were making enough money. Yet, the questioners and the critics, they just don't get it. They don't get that there are finally people in this country who are fed up with not being able to afford things. And the notion that prices are really coming down versus 2019, let's face it, that's just fanciful. Even the great equalizers, that's right, Amazon, Costco, Walmart, they can't roll things back to pre-COVID prices yet. Or to put it another way, the person who makes 45 Gs a year isn't able to save $1,000 without cutting back big on something else. She's only going out on someone's birthday, and she's going to Olive Garden, which I like OG, but you know, that's where she's going. She's not sending her kids to private school because she can't even afford the property taxes in a place with good public schools. So what has to happen? Well, the Fed can't truly beat inflation until we see the end of the bidding wars for the big houses that go on the market and are sold instantly on that first day. It can't do anything until we get more, not fewer, rental apartments. We need to ensure that there are way too many cars for sale, so many cars that the financing charges won't make it privately expensive to buy one. We need to get to the point where lower-income wage earners who are extremely frugal and can save $1,000 don't look at that money three years from now and say, darn it, why did I save that? Now it's only worth 800 bucks. Look, I'm not trying to foment class warfare on this show. Maybe I just remember what it was like to live in my 1978 Ford Fairmont, trying to figure out where I could get a button-down shirt to go with my corduroy Marshall's jacket, or hoping for prices to come down so I could buy a new pair of Lees, Levi's were too expensive, at the horrible store that was Mervyn's. There are so many people who are just hanging on, and they can't spend any more on gasoline than they are doing right now. But there's a good chance it's about to get more expensive, we said last night. Yet J-Pal's bombarded with these clinical questions from people who don't know how much it costs to buy a box of Oreos or a can of string beans or a thing of ho-hos. They aren't the ones trading down. 
They're not the ones giving the dogs cheaper food because they know the dogs aren't going to say anything about it because they're always hungry anyway. Turns out when push comes to shove, it's easy to cut back on the dogs. They don't even know the difference, trust me. Here's what Powell wants. He'd love to see prices to come down without lots of layoffs. But if they don't, he'll raise rates until those prices come down, even if there are a lot of layoffs. He's willing to inflict the pain because he knows that long-term, the damage done by inflation is far worse than anything else that could happen right now. Or to put it succinctly, Powell needs you to stop focusing on the terminal rate or the neutral rate or the jolts or the price of mortgage backs. He needs you to think, hmm, prices are coming down. I'm going to wait until they even go lower. Right now, though, it's the exact opposite. The mentality in this country is, and you know it and I know it, prices are going higher. I better buy things now. And that's the only thing you really need to know. Inflation is embedded and expected. Bottom line, sure, Jay Powell's done a good job getting inflation down from the highs, and I'm proud of him. But back then, things were really, really out of control. Now they're just moderately out of control. Maybe that means Powell's almost ready to take the stock market from sell to a hold, or maybe he'll know the time to stop tightening when he sees it, and not before then. Either way, don't look to Powell to tell you to buy stocks. Look for him to save the purchasing power, not of you, but of the working person. Unless, of course, you are the working person. Let's go to Dave, my old friend in Illinois. Dave. Dr. Kramer, my adorable lunatic friend, how are you? Well, I thank you for putting me in the true context that I'm in, and I appreciate that. And so will Lisa, my wife, as you know, Dave. What else is going on? Jim, three days ago, this $30 billion health care company received a $44 million grant from the Gates Foundation to develop AI-assisted ultrasound applications. A component of your charitable trust portfolio, it enjoys your highest ranking, despite its current price being lower than your average cost. Of course, I'm talking about GE Healthcare. Given yeah, Dave, it's, under- it's killing me. It's killing me. You know, I'm going to talk tomorrow at the meeting, and it's very funny because Jeff Marks is rarely aggrieved. He's pretty, he's much more consistent than I am, uh, and I, he's like a Penn State running back, frankly, who goes pro. Me, I am apoplectic about this thing. I want to go to the sellers and I want to say to them, do you have a clue of what you're doing? Listen to what Dave just said. But you know what they're going to say, Dave? No, we're smarter than Dave. We're smarter than Kramer. Well, you know what? Go eat an MRI. How about let's go to Geronimo in Alaska. Geronimo. Hi, Jim. Uh, First time caller here. Uh, with the ongoing streaming more uh, amongst Google, uh, YouTube TV, Disney's Hulu, and Dish, Sling TV, and others, do you think Fubo Sports focused niche can buy enough uh, subscriber loyalty and market share to make it a winning stock in the streaming battle? Uh, no, absolutely not. And I would be even more curt, except for I like Alaska so much. I had a great time there when I went with my kids. Let's go to Bob and oh my God! But I got Bob and no, they're telling me I can't go to Bob in Florida. And I was, you know, I was looking to connect. No, that's okay. I connected with Fubo. All right, Fubo, or is it Fobu? I don't know. I just it ain't working. To look to Pal to tell you to buy. That's right. We're waiting for Pal to say he's got a you know he has a buy button right in the fact. He's got this, and he's going to press it one day for us. Uh, look, he's trying to help the power of the world. He's trying to help the working person. He's not trying to help the pundits or billionaires row. May money tonight. Trex is caught in the crosshairs of higher long-term interest rates, and a housing complex is beginning to show a couple of signs of slowing. So are investors getting a buying opportunity, or should they proceed with caution on the faux wood deck company? I'm getting the latest from the CEO. And last time I revealed some companies with monster buybacks that I think we're spending irresponsibly, and we're a bunch of bozos, jokerheads, mouthbunks, and charlatans. But tonight I'm revealing a handful of people who are actually doing it right. 
And it's football season, which means wings are flooding living rooms all across the country. Don't forget, I like the ones that are like this, not the ones that are like this, you know. Uh, and I'm hearing more about the strength in the sector with the head of a real winner, and that's called Wingstop. So stay with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at CNBC.com or give us a call at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Fact. Running a business is not getting easier on your wallet. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. Also a fact. Smart businesses are reducing costs and headaches by graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. Accessed from anywhere. You can cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. See how you'll profit with NetSuite, and then you can think of all the ways you could be spending the money you save. Company retreat in Malibu, anyone? By popular demand, NetSuite is offering a -a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to NetSuite.com to start saving. Ever since long-term interest rates started rising rapidly in mid-July, whole housing complexes sputtered. After all, mortgage rates are at their highest levels in more than two decades, and the same goes for home equity loans. Everything housing-related, every stock has been coming down since then, including Trex Company, the world's largest maker of wood alternative decking and railings. Now, I've liked this one for years, in large part because they make a great product. Looks better than real wood, lasts a heck of a lot longer. So far, Trex has had a terrific year, and its most recent quarter was excellent, including spectacular forecasts for the second half. But thanks to the interest rate spike, the stock's now come down more than 15% from its highs in early August. Didn't even help when Trex hosted a terrific, optimistic investor day in New York a couple of weeks ago. So could this be a buying opportunity? We need to be more cautious in all things housing-related because of the Fed. Let's check in with Brian Fairbanks. He's the president and CEO of Trex Company to get a better read on the situation. Mr. Fairbanks, welcome back to Bad Money. Great. Thanks to have us back again, Jim. Okay, so Brian, you had a great number. You've had a great year. And I'm just wondering whether the stock is reflecting the things that the Federal Reserve talked about today, which is that they don't want... Uh, inflation to be as high as it is. And yet you're really kind of caught up in the maelstrom that has nothing to do with that. You save people money. You have a product that's very inexpensive versus wood. Uh, do you think you're being, your stock's being unfairly punished because it happens to be part of a cohort that the Fed wants lower? There's clearly still concern about the consumer in the marketplace. 
The consumer has been remarkably strong going into this year, and we continue to see the consumer being strong as we've progressed through the course of the year. But as we continue to move forward and we see that they're spending on outdoor living and enjoyment, um, we'll be able to prove, prove the market wrong and uh, continue to get that valuation where we see the opportunity to be. I think you're right. Now, you've got a number of younger people who are coming in the housing market. And I spent a lot of time uh, analyzing companies to see why people buy product. How much do you think of your customers to say, you know something, I am saving a huge amount that would go into a landfill. I'm buying this rather than buying something else. It's an extremely important part of our heritage that we manufacture our product with 95 percent recycled and reclaimed raw materials. We've been doing that for over 30 years now. Early on, it wasn't that important to the end consumer, but today, especially with those younger consumers coming through, starting to buy houses, those are questions they're asking. What are your green credentials? Are you really using those those type of materials and are you walking the talk? Okay, so then let me ask you, uh, are these people, people who are redoing a house that they bought that's an older house, a house that they are so-called stuck in because they don't want to pay the new mortgage rates? Who are these, these uh, younger consumers? And one of the things we've seen is a nice tailwind from those consumers who may have otherwise been moving up, but due to high interest rates and high home prices, they're deciding to stay in their existing home but they want to still have additional space and bring that indoor living to the outside and building decks. It may be a replacement of an existing wood deck that's starting to fail at this point, or it may just be building additional space on that house. That's a trend that will continue as we move forward, and especially while we see high interest rates and high home values. Do they understand, uh, do most people understand the value of, of money uh, up front, meaning that, okay, listen, you know, they look at wood and they say, geez, I don't know, it's cheaper than Trex, but they understand the value proposition that you last longer and they would have to redo their deck uh, within, say, five years if they use wood? Yeah, people are absolutely starting to understand that, especially owners that have had a wood deck and they've had to maintain that over 10 to 15 years. But those new consumers that are coming into the marketplace, they're looking for materials that are going to give them low maintenance, long-term durability. Trex absolutely fits the bill for that. And we spend a lot of our marketing dollars on educating those consumers when they're coming to the market, the values of Trex and why they should make the Trex decision. Now, you do, you're up against ASEC. We have them on all the time. I think the market's big enough for both of you. And I don't mean to say, well, why would one like, you know, how does one do the, versus the other? ASEC does have a product that's a little bit more of a premium. Uh, but at the same time, this, I'm just saying that it's you guys. It's this kind of decking and this kind of product versus wood. It's not you versus ASEC necessarily. Yeah, that's correct. There is a big enough market out there. Approximately 25% of the market today is composites as compared to 75% that's wood. There's plenty of room in the marketplace. We recently have launched some products at the higher end of the market. As you recall, last time we talked, we had launched our enhanced naturals and basics product lines to really go after that wood conversion marketplace. On the flip side now, we're really focusing on that high end of the market. When there are questions about the consumer and the health of that consumer, you want to make sure that you have the right products to meet the needs of that consumer. 
We launched our signature product, which mimics the look of a teak or an ePay type wood. Very high-end product, high price that comes along with it. And we've also updated our Transcend product line, now titled Transcend Lineage, that has an updated aesthetic and a refined look that the consumers are looking for today. I didn't spend enough time in, uh, talking about railings. Uh, railings are just a, a job that everybody knows. The railings are the ones that get the most beat up. They're right out there front and center. What percentage of, uh, of, of I'd say, of, of your business is railings right now? At our investor day last week, one of the things we wanted to highlight the Trek's long-term story is more than just about decking conversion. There's a great opportunity for us in railing. The cost of railing could be anywhere from 30 to 50% of the material cost of the deck, depending upon whether you're building more of an entry-level deck using our enhanced product line or a much higher-end deck where you're using our lineage product line. So a significant opportunity for growth. Beyond that, we've talked about adjacencies of cladding using our decking product in vertical applications, much like siding, uh, fencing, and fasteners. All great opportunities for the long term for Trex. Well, look, I just think you always told a great story from the first time I talked to you guys. It just gets better and better, but I understand what the Fed's doing. The moment that the Fed is done, Trex will spike big. That's my prediction. Brian Fairbanks, Trex president and CEO. I love you on the show. Thank you so much. Thanks, Jim. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Mad Money's back after the break. Coming up, shareholders rewarded, or shareholders be warned? It's a wrap on Kramer's three-part look at monster buybacks, next. From a flat tire in the city to a dead battery on a distant drive, AAA is partnering with T-Mobile for Business to accelerate response times and get more drivers back on the road fast. Our nationwide connectivity powers location telematics, so AAA's fleet can find stranded drivers quickly while being fully equipped with the in-vehicle tools to have answers when they get there. This is elevating the member experience. This is AAA with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash madmoney. Just go to Indeed.com slash madmoney right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash madmoney. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Before we get back to our normal programming, uh, here's something that I find very exciting that I want to share with you today. The reason it's so special is because it's just for you, our Mad Money viewers. You always hear me talk about the work I do for the special community that is the CNBC Investing Club. I mentioned it many times each show. For the next two weeks only, 
I'm going to share a little taste of the work that I do with my colleague, Jeff Marks, during the day. Let me give you an example of what you can get. I mean, right after this message, we got a piece on the series that we've been doing about the biggest buybacks, the ones that really impact stocks, the way you can figure out what you want to invest in. In our 1020 club meetings that we do streaming, I'm always talking about which of our travel trust companies might be cooking up big buybacks. Today, I focus on Constellation Brands, STZ, which has a huge meeting come up at the beginning of November. Jeff and I opine on what that could mean for shares of the company that makes Modelo and Corona and what it would mean for you, whether you should buy the stock ahead of the November meeting. I think this stuff is so pertinent, so important to educating you how to be a better investor that I think you should join the club and get more insights just like what I gave you. And that's why CBC, I'm very proud, is giving you exclusive offer only available to Mad Money viewers. So grab your phone, open your camera, point it to the QR code, or go to cnbc.slash/gymoffer. And I hope to see you in a manner of speaking at the next monthly meeting, which happens to be noon tomorrow. Hey, sign up now and get on tomorrow's call. People love them. All right. Now, as I mentioned a moment ago, we're in a confusing economic environment. No kidding, right? Where businesses started to slow in some areas, but not all of them. If it had all of them, we wouldn't have the Fed doing what it's doing, right? Uh, which is why the Fed wants to hit us with one more interest rate by the hike by the end of the year, even if it's the pad today. I myself don't know what they're going to do. Maybe they do, too. Maybe they do a bigger one. I think the economy, as I said at the top of the show, is still way too hot. When you can't fully rely on the economy, I always like to search for companies that are trying to take control of their own destiny. That's why all week we've been highlighting the what I call the buyback monsters of the S&P 500, the companies that have repurchased the large percentage of their own share since the beginning of the year. When it's done right, a big buyback will bolster a company's earnings per share. And while that's pure financial engineering, it also represents a great investment as long as the underlying business is improving. Of course, you can also do it wrong. Last time I told you about what happens when companies buy back huge slugs of their own stock, even though the business is deteriorating and their stocks are headed lower. Sell, 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 sell. It's the equivalent of lighting that money on fire. Just a complete waste. Now, I have helped implement some big buybacks myself, and I ran a smaller one every day for many years. It is a cardinal sin to be buying back stock when you know the company is screwing up. Tonight, though, I want to talk about the opposite. I talk about buyback monsters that are doing it perfectly. Well-run companies retiring tons of stock. Let's start with DuPont, Double D, the specialty chemical giant run by the bankable Ed Breen. He made people fortunes when he broke up the old Tyco. And then he orchestrated the Dow-DuPont merger before breaking them up into three separate enterprises by category. DuPont's the specialty chemical spinoff, one that I will be talking about at tomorrow's Investing Club meeting because it's a big position and we want to make it even bigger. Now, I like this one because the story is so simple, actually. In November of 2021, DuPont tried to acquire a company called Rod Corporations. That's an advanced materials maker with a lots of exposure to the auto industry. And that was going to be for $5.2 billion in cash. But a year later, the regulators shot him down. Less than a week after that, what did DuPont do? Did they just fritter around? No. They said, hey, we're going to devote that $5 billion to buying back our stock, and they're going to buy it back hand over fist. Starting with an accelerated $3.25 billion purchase. It's that initial $3.25 billion that landed DuPont on our buyback monster list, the number 11 spot, because they've retired 7.6% of the share count this year. And that number actually understates the situation, because at the end of July, when the company last reported uh, earlier this month, uh, DuPont announced that they completed their $3.25 billion accelerated buyback and would immediately launch a new $2 billion accelerated buyback, most of which they plan to do within the week of the announcement. Hey, when you run the numbers, you see that including the final buybacks under the $3.25 billion plan and the initial repurchases under the new $2 billion plan, DuPont has likely shrunk its share count 
by more than 13.5%. That would make it the the third largest percentage buyback in the S&P 500. Hey, no wonder it's doing so well. And you know DuPont's doing it right. On average, they paid $69.44 per share for the first tranche of the buyback. That's about five bucks below where the stock's currently trading. Now, you have to ask, is the stock still worth owning? As much as I like DuPont, it does depend on your outlook for the economy. If you think interest rates will keep soaring and China's only going to get weaker, causing a true recession, DuPont's too risky for you because it has still got some cyclicality. They also have some significant exposure to the auto industry, which is not great with the UAW strike wreaking havoc in Detroit, as I said at the top of the show. But if you're feeling a little more sanguine about the economy, you think the Fed's almost done and you have the patience to wait out the auto strike, then you do have my blessing to buy some DuPont right here, which is exactly what we did for the Chapel Trust and what we'll say tomorrow at the uh, noon meeting. There, I gave you a real preview. Next up, let's talk about the criminally underrated Verisk Analytics. Now, before I say it, this is a boring company, but that I like boring. It's a boring provider of data analytics and other boring technologies to the boring insurance industry that has not bored you with a repurchase of 7.3% of its shares count year to date. If you want to see a beautiful picture, I want you to check out Verus Lifetime Chart. <coughs> Will you look at this? Look at this. I mean, this is what we want, right? Does your index fund look like this? How about your treasuries, right? I mean, this thing came public in 2009. You can hang this, I don't know, Philadelphia Art Museum. No, Louvre, right next to the, uh, the, the, Mona, the Mona, Mona Lisa, which is a really good chart in itself. Now, this is another beautifully simple story. You can see in the ter- this terrific long-term chart that Vera's shares had an atypically weak performance last year. A little drop there, huh? You know, nothing too bad. Uh, not content to sit on their hands and just hope investors would come around. They decided to sell their non-core Wood McKenzie business, which does data analytics for the boring energy industry, offloading to a boring private equity firm for $3.1 billion in cash, becoming a pure boring play on the much steadier insurance space. That deal closed in February, and in, uh, weeks later, Verisk announced they're putting $2.5 billion in that money toward you get an accelerated buyback. That breathed new life into the stock, although it hasn't hurt that the whole enterprise software space has come roaring back. We had an enterprise software company that came public tonight. How many enterprise software companies back you up with a gargantuan buyback? Nobody else in the industry comes close to Verisk Analytics, at least in terms of returning capital shareholders. And no wonder the stock's up nearly 40% for the year. You know, we got a really crummy market right now, right? So you're looking for companies <coughs> that are still buying back stock that are up 40% because you know that the buyer is going to come in and say that they own that stock at your end. They want to show they did because Verisk has been so good. That said, Verisk only the second best performer among our buyback monsters. The biggest winner for 2023, remember when I said that we are long on time and short on money? What does that mean? It means buying the stock of Bookings Holdings. And Booking Holdings is the online travel agency formerly known as Priceline. They also own Booking.com and Kayak and OpenTable. Here's a stock that's up 52% year-to-date, in part because Booking Holdings has repurchased 8% of its share count. Here's the one. Here's the thing. The other big online travel agency, Expedia, also made the buyback monster list, retiring 8.5% of its share count. And its stock is up far less, which is why it's the one I want to focus on. See, Expedia is not just buying back stock, tons of stock, actually. It's also investing to improve its business. Don't forget, it looks like we're nearing the end of the post-pandemic travel boom. But companies like Expedia clearly believe in their longer-term prospects or else they wouldn't be repurchasing stock so aggressively. Expedia is confident in part because they've been rolling out a company-wide rewards program called One Key that replaces their old system. It's a united rewards program across Expedia, Hotels.com, which I love, by the way, Verbo, that's V-R-B-O, and their Airbnb, that's their Airbnb competitor. 
Verbo. I don't know. This new program just launched in July, and I think it's a real boon to the business. In recent years, the online travel agency OTA space has been increasingly commoditized. Not a ton of difference between Expedia, Priceline, and Kayak. So consumers need some additional reasons to stay loyal to a given platform. And I think Expedia's generous new rewards program does precisely that. They should come on the show and talk about it. Plus, it sure doesn't hurt that Expedia sells for less than nine times next year's earnings estimates. That's a huge discount. The booking holdings, very quizzical, frankly. Sells, booking sells for more than 18 times next year's numbers. A 50% discount for a heaven's sake the company is like, just like it. No wonder Expedia is buying back the stock hand over fist. It should. Bottom line, in a tricky market, you need something to fall back on, and these huge buybacks can give a terrific cushion, providing the underlying companies are actually worth investing in. So what do we have? We have DuPont, we have the Boring Verisk, and we've got Expedia. Three buyback monsters that I think you can believe in. Steve in Arizona. Steve. Steve, booyah. Hi, Jim. Thanks for taking my call. My pleasure. I have owned Eli Lilly for about six months and have done very well with it, pending approvals for obesity and Alzheimer's drugs. However, in the last several days, Lilly has retreated from its $600 high by about $30. My question is, should I hold it, sell it, or buy more on okay. the dip. I always play with an open hand. We at the Chapel Trust sold some. We felt that we weren't being disciplined. We had we were just letting it run. That's not the way I like to do things. That's what I teach at the club. That's what I'll teach tomorrow at noon. You cannot be greedy. We are being greedy. We took some off the table. Cut chain, cut chain. In a tricky market, you gotta have something to fall back on. And these huge buybacks can give you a terrific cushion. Provide the underlying companies are actually worth investing in. Hey, by the way, yes, someone asked me about AutoZone up 100 today. That's all buyback. Much more bad money ahead, including my exclusive with another one I like called Wingstop. Accelerated share repurchases galore. After reporting another strong quarter last month, I'm seeing what's keeping this restaurant chain flying high with the company CEO. If- what does Barbara Streisand's song People have to do with an important thesis that's currently playing out in the market? I'll reveal an important lesson to you. And all your calls rapid fire in tonight's edition of the Lightning Round. So stay with Bramer. With football season underway, I can't stop thinking about one of my favorite growth stocks, Wingstop, the largest fast casual chicken wing chain in the world. But after a blistery start to the year that took Wingstop to a new high in May, the stock's come back to earth in recent months. Last month, though, Wingstop reported a solid quarter, better than expected same-store sales, much better, actually, driven almost entirely by transaction growth, not price hikes, not accounting gimmicks, just more people buying more food. Imagine also raises full-year forecast, but, man, the stock's still down nearly 50 bucks from its May highs. So is this the one that we ought to just start buying right now? i got to tell you, it certainly seems interesting to me. I think we should talk to Mike Skipworth. He's the president and CEO of Wingstop. Learn more about this. Mr. Skipworth, welcome back to Mad Money. Thanks for having me, Jim. Okay, so, Michael, I got to tell you, this was probably one of the best quarters I've seen. Uh, there is a level of gloom to the stock market that has made the stock market, I think, out of sync with the companies are doing well. You reported fantastic same-store sales, and they were done on a transaction basis. How do we explain the disparity between what you guys are doing and how people seem to react to the stock price? Yeah, Jim, I think there's a lot of uh, overweight or, if you will, a little bit of skepticism against the overall restaurant industry. A lot of the brands out there took a lot of price in 2022, and that's driving a lot of their comp and, quite frankly, translating to transaction loss this year. But 
Not for Wingstop, we're different. We're growing our business in a really healthy way through strong double-digit transaction growth, which we believe just further supports the strength of our model and our unique category of one positioning. I totally agree, Michael, but one of the things I always find when I mention how much I love your stuff is people haven't heard of it. Now, how is that possible? I mean, you're, I see in the NFL, I'm from Philadelphia, it's pretty, you know Wingstop you know, if, you, if you're from Philadelphia. How is it that, you, that there's still incredible brand unawareness? Jim, we just eclipsed 2,000 restaurants globally, but yet there's a meaningful opportunity for us to grow AUVs through brand awareness. We still have a double-digit gap to other national brands. And when we look at that, we see it as a line of sight to continuing to scale our AUVs to north of $2 million, which sit at $1.7 million today. And that compares to an initial investment on average of about $450,000 in our brand partners are enjoying a less than two-year payback on that investment. All right, people should need to know that's average unified, I mean, it's much better than every other one, I, every other company I follow in this industry. Now, I will say, sir, that you mentioned those numbers, but I got the limited opportunities available. Either our whole states, California, can't put them in, a, not one right now. Delaware, Connecticut, no. Colorado, not right now. Florida, you got to go to Tallahassee. I live there, so I can say that. Um, is this because you guys protect your franchisees instead of just having one open every single block? Jim, we have the majority of our growth is coming from our existing franchisees that are reinvesting. If we look back over the restaurants we opened over the last year, over 90% of those came from our existing franchisees reinvesting, which I think just speaks to the strength of the model and that, those strong unit economics that they're enjoying. So the chicken sandwich, I mean, I, I would have thought after Popeye's had already done it, it was over th- that we were done. I mean, no. I mean, what is it with the chicken sandwich? We're really excited about the chicken sandwich. It's bringing in a lot of new guests to our brand. It's an easy way to introduce them to Wingstop, but yet it's allowing them to navigate the rest of our menu. And so we're seeing a halo effect in our business. And that's really what's fueling that double-digit transaction growth that we've been enjoying. Well, I got to tell you, I'm an on-premise guy, uh, but a lot of people are using DoorDash. Now, they just, I mean, are you advertising DoorDash app? I mean, how are they finding you? Majority of our advertising is coming through national TV, as you mentioned. We're showing up in live sports, a strategy that we think is working. But we also are on both DoorDash and Uber Eats, two great partners for us. And that's been driving a lot of growth for our brand. And yet we have a ton of runway in those categories. It's not too expensive when you use those guys? It's not too expensive when you get quality and indulgence, which is what consumers are are paying for Wingstop. And I think that puts us in a unique spot. We're a low-frequency occasion, on average three times a quarter, once a month. And so when consumers are being more discretionary with their dollars, we know that if we deliver quality, we deliver indulgence, we're going to retain those occasions. And that's what we've seen happen in our business. Now, Michael, you see these numbers come through, and I know you have, I mean, I, look, I, I'm going to have to use this term. You have too much cash on the balance sheet at times. So this time you did accelerate share of purchase. You've been known to do special dividends. I mean, do you guys sit there at the board level and say, you know what, let's keep rewarding? Because it does feel like dominoes during that period that it went from 10 to 300. We're excited about our share repurchase program and think it's a key part of our 
broader return of capital strategy and best in shareholder returns. You said it, we're over 98% franchise. We generate a lot of free cash flow and that allows us to deliver returns that are different than a lot of other companies that are out there. And quite frankly, Jim, we're pretty excited about the accelerated share repurchase because we think we're buying that stock at a discount right now. I agree with you. Now, the one last thing I need to ask is that I was afraid that you would be hurt by interest rates and that it might put the 400,000 some odd that you have to put up to get one. Maybe they're not enough people, but I guess that's still a reasonable amount. And there are people who have can pool the resources and already own franchises because they know you don't like to be you, you won't let me be the first one to own a franchise that is a wing stop. You have to have others. But that's not hurt. Interest rates are not hurting the uh, the, the people who want to have more wing stops who want to own them. That's right, Jim. We're actually on pace for a record year from a development perspective. We expect to open roughly 250 restaurants this year. And in fact, as you look at our development pipeline, just about any way you measure it, we're on pace for a record year. And it doesn't take a lot of capital to open a wing stop. And with those strong paybacks, those strong unit economics, the majority of that growth is coming from existing cash flow from our existing brand partner base. Well, that's exactly what I first heard. Uh, during the period when Pat Doyle came to, to uh, Domino's. Obviously, this stock has moved a lot. So has Domino's. But I got to tell you, if you want asset lights, I'm trying to talk to people here, Michael, because they don't understand the economics that you just outlined. 400000 to be able to 1.7 go into $2 million, is extraordinary for a young person. Pool with some other people. Get a couple franchises. This is how you get rich in this country. Michael Skipworth is the president and CEO of Wingstop. It's so great to have you on, Michael. Good to talk to you. You too, Jim. Thank you. Thank you, man. Much back here for the break. Coming up, Kramer takes your calls, and the sky is the limit. It's a fast fire lightning round. Next. It is time. It's over the lightning round. Kramer, 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 and then the lightning round is over. Are you ready, Ski Daddy? Time for the lightning round. Kramer's going to start with Bo in Alabama. Bo. Mr. Kramer, Bo is a pleasure, sir. Thank you, Bo. What's up? Had a question. Um, in your opinion, Carrier Global, is that like a pandemic play? Or? No, no. This is just an un- unbelievable infrastructure play. I think it's terrific. I buy some at 53, then wait to 49. We don't have a good market right now. But I think that Dave Dave Gillen's doing an amazing job. I think it's a terrific stock. I'll throw in train, too. I'll give you a twofer. Let's go to Tyler in California. Tyler. Hey, Big Booyah from California. How are you doing, Jim? I'm doing well. Thanks for calling. What's happening? So uh, I like uh, global stocks that have good dividends and large institutional investors. What do you think of BDX? They've got good dividends, they're a global company, and they've got large institutional investors. And they got great earnings, and I think it's terrific. The only thing I don't have right now is that good a chart, but I'm saying high quality. Boston Scientific, I'm doing a lot of twofers tonight. I like that one, too. How about Mandy in Maryland? Mandy. Hi, Jim. How are you? Mandy, good to hear from you again. What's going on? Thank you so much for taking my call. Long-time fan and listener. I okay. was wondering, as I have a, a stock in mind with a high dividend, I was thinking, what would you think about this one? EPD, 
Enterprise. This has been my favorite. It is unbelievable. It actually hit a 52-week high today. Why? It has a 7% yield. It's an incredible pipeline company. I think it's terrific. You got horse sense. Blake in Oklahoma. Blake. Hey, Jim. Thanks for having me. Of course, Blake. Um, with, this, with this company looking to rival Starbucks, they don't slip their 52-week low. What's your thought on ticker symbol B-R-O-S? I, I know which one you're talking about, the Dutch bros. I told them not to be able to overexpand. What, did they listen to me? No. I'm just a TV guy. They're in the coffee business, but I know how to read a balance sheet. My balance sheet says they had to issue equity there. I told them to issue equity higher. They are overexpanding. They want to cool it and just slow down, but don't own the stock. Brian in Pennsylvania. Brian, I can't believe I had to say that. I wanted that stock to go hard. Brian. The Happy Valley. Booyah, tubia, Jim. Holy cow. Nittany Lion Booyah right back at you. That's right. Hey, I'm a new club member, and I just want to say the information you and fellow PSU alum Jeff Marks provide is amazing. The morning meeting is my personal favorite. Marks is the you best. You talk to the club. You talk yep. to the club a lot about using pullbacks as buying opportunities. My question is on an AI beneficiary. Is the current pullback a time to buy ticker ANET, Arista Networks? Man, I'll tell you, J Street just blew it out. That was an unbelievable quarter. And the answer is Nitty Lion. Absolutely. It's like a new Penn State quarterback. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the conclusion of the Lightning Round. Coming up, the auto strike reminds Kramer of a certain Barbara Streisand hit. But the Ford Top Brass is singing a different tune. Keep it here. People, people who don't need people are the luckiest people in the world. All right, that's a twist of a song sung by the legendary stock trading genius Barbara Streisand in Funny Girl some astonishingly 60 years ago. The twist, for those who remember Funny Girl, is that people, people who need people are supposed to be the luckiest people in the world. The problem in business, though, is that you're out of luck if you need a lot of people in order to make things and do stuff. I want you for one minute to compare the situation the tech genius Larry Ellison finds himself in an oracle with data centers and artificial intelligence to the situation CEO Jim Farley finds himself at Ford Motor. Last week, Ellison's oracle reported a quarter that was widely and I believe unjustly panned, causing the stock to have its biggest one-day drop in more than 20 years. Buried within the comms school, Ellison answered a question about how he's going to compete in the dog-eat-dog digital world. He said, and I quote, our data centers are 100% automated. They configure themselves. We don't have a lot of labor, end quote. But the biggest advantage, he goes on, is, quote, if you don't have human beings involved, you don't have human labor. You don't have human errors. You don't have mistakes, end quote. Now contrast that with Jim Farley at Ford. The man is going out of his way with commercials, no less, to explain how many people he has on the line. Union people with largely good jobs, the most of anyone in the industry. Yet what has it done for him? It's brought him a strike that could bring Ford to its knees because the company needs to pivot to uh, electric vehicles, and they, they need to do it last year. Farley can't, though, because while he doesn't necessarily need people, he has them, plenty of them. He has expensive people who want to become even more expensive through these negotiations. So much for EVs. This union doesn't care at all about that transition. Now, I want you to put aside the fact that the labor has been shafted in the auto industry for far too long. So the union members have plenty of reasons to be unhappy. I want you to forget that Ford stock has done nothing for more than a decade, although at least the company didn't go bankrupt. Fact is, Ford can't ha- afford to have so many people if it's going to compete with Elon Musk and Tesla, which is highly automated, not at all unionized. People who work for Ford have it better, but not if the Teslas of the world compete them out of existence.
hostage, which brings us to where Farley is on the strike. It's not that at the moment he can't afford people. It's that in the next five years, he won't be able to afford people if the UAW gets what it wants. And yet here he is having to lock in these workers at higher wages just to keep the assembly lines going when he could move his plants to Mexico for one twentieth of the cost. So what, what happens? I'll tell you what can happen. I once took part in a strike against a major textile manufacturer. We thought we were about to get a fantastic deal, like the UAW once. Then right on the verge of victory, while we were right about to pop some top-quality champagne, they closed the plant. They couldn't compete. And so what they do? They gave up. Ford can't necessarily give up. But if it wants to transition to all electric vehicles, which some states may insist on down the line sooner rather than later, it can't afford a large, highly unionized workforce. That's the reality. I admit it's radically unfair. I thought it was unfair when we lost against a textile company, but we lost to those who were automated or went to other countries. That's what Ford faces now. It, could, it can give in, which would be fair to the workers, except they'd ultimately lose to the Elon Musk and Larry Ellis's of the world. And then it will lose access to the capital in the public markets. And as it shrivels into a much smaller company, it'll have to lay off practically everybody in order to compete. That's what I saw back in 77. It can happen again in 23. Make no mistake about it. That's where Ford is. To be fair, to make up for lost wages right now, Ford has to give in on something, of course. But understand, it can't afford to pivot to electric vehicles if it has to meet the UAW's current demands. People are just too expensive. They make mistakes. Human labor's a loser in the new world. So what can Ford do? It has no choice. It either chooses to crush the union and outsource its manufacturing like that incredibly unfair, miserable textile company that beat us, fat cat billionaires behind it, as UAW's Sean Fame would call them, just close their doors, or Ford can give it and potentially lose all of its plants down the road. Which is better? I'm not sure. I think they're both bad. Bottom line, in the end, I think everybody at Ford is better off if they can come up, keep these plants running and get something to the UAW. But they may end up winning the battle, losing the war, as the whole business just vanishes over time, taking all of those good union jobs with it. I like to say there's always a bull market somewhere. I promise you to find it just for you right here on Make Money. I'm Jim Kramer. See you tomorrow. Last call starts now. All opinions expressed by Jim Kramer on this podcast are solely Kramer's opinions and do not reflect the opinions of CNBC, NBC Universal, or their parent company or affiliates, and may have been previously disseminated by Kramer on television, radio, internet, or another medium. You should not treat any opinion expressed by Jim Kramer as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of his opinion. Kramer's opinions are based upon information he considers reliable, but neither CNBC nor its affiliates and or subsidiaries warn its completeness or accuracy, and it should not be relied upon as such. To view the full Mad Money Disclaimer, please visit cnbc.com forward slash Mad Money Disclaimer. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.